go to scripture and it'll be on the screen. Uh, I'm going to go to Mark chapter 10. Uh, I have a feeling everyone in the room is probably familiar with tonight's scripture. Let's go to verse 17. Mark chapter 10, verse 17, and it reads, As Jesus started on his way, a man came running up to him, kneeling down in front of him. He cried out, Good teacher, what one thing am I required to do to gain eternal life? Jesus responded, Why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But you already know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery. Do not steal, do not give false testimony, and do not cheat, and honor your mother and father. And the man said to Jesus, Teacher, I have carefully obeyed these laws since my youth. Jesus fixed his gaze upon the man with tender love and said to him, Yet there is still one thing in you lacking. Go sell all that you have and give the money to the poor. And then all your treasure will be in heaven. After you've done this, come back and walk with me. Completely shocked by Jesus' answer, he turned and walked away very sad, and he was extreme, for he was extremely rich. Jesus looked at the faces of his disciples and said, How hard it is for, a wealthy, for the wealthy to enter into God's kingdom realm. The disciples were startled when they heard this, but Jesus again said to them, Children, it is next to impossible for those who trust in their riches to find their way into God's kingdom. It is easier to stuff a rope through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy person to enter into God's kingdom. But this left them all the more astonished. And they whispered to one another, Then who could ever be saved? Jesus looked at them and replied, With people it is impossible, but not with God. God makes all things possible. Then Peter spoke up and said, Can't you see that we've left everything we had to cling to you? Listen to my words, Jesus said. Anyone who leaves his home behind and chooses me over children, parents, family, and possessions, all for the sake of the gospel, it will come back to him a hundred times as much in this life. Homes, family, mothers, brothers, children, possession, possessions, along with persecutions. And in the age to come, he will inherit eternal life. Title of tonight's message is, Maybe I'm Clingy. Maybe I'm Clingy. Has anyone ever told you you're too clingy? Ladies? Obviously, said no. Uh, I think we can all admit, we can all agree, whether we've been called clingy or we have not, uh, it's not a real attractive personality trait, being a clingy person. People, I've heard the phrase, we've all probably used it, a stage five clinger, as if there are levels to clinging. Um, but like nobody has ever described someone and been like, oh my gosh, I love how clingy they are. You know, like have you ever heard somebody say that? I haven't. But I find it funny, and this is where I'm going tonight, I find it funny that the characteristic that we don't like in others, I feel oftentimes we actually possess ourselves. And tonight I'm going to give you three ways 
that I believe we might be a little clingy in this life. Maybe not the type of clingy that you would think of in terms of uh, relationally, but I'm going to give you a few ways that we might be a little clingy. So let's start it off tonight with my first way that I believe we're a little clingy in this life. And the first one is this. I'm clinging to my money. I'm clinging to my money. Maybe you're thinking, Levi, I wish I was more clingy to my money, but Amazon Prime Day made sure that I wasn't. (laughs) Uh, Did anybody buy some stuff? Come on. Amazon Prime Day was this week. It's actually two days. In Amazon world, it's not just a day. It's not one day. It's actually two days. Um, So, yeah, I, I had to get in the last-minute orders last night for Amazon Prime Day because otherwise we have to wait until Black Friday, and that's all the way in November. So you got to get your orders in. Uh, but maybe, maybe not the money itself, because maybe you're thinking, well, I'm not clingy to my money because I spend it every chance I get. But maybe you're not clingy to the money itself, but maybe you're clingy in your relationship to your money. And so what I'm going to do is tonight, I'm going to give you ways in which we cling to things. And then I'm going to have a response to each thing that we cling to. So I'm clinging to my money is the first thing that we cling to. So my first response to that is, and I mean, it's going to be a real shocker when you hear this. Are you ready? You got to give. You're like, oh, here we go. It's a (laughs) message on giving. All right, Levi. Hurry up. Be done now so I can go eat. Uh, no, it's not. So just, just bear with me. I'm clinging to my money. Well, the response and the answer to that is you got to give. I want you to listen to me closely here. I'm excited to share what I have for this particular point tonight. And I hope that you'll see that in the passion that I preach it with. Um, I've shared this scripture many times. I'm just going to paraphrase it. I'm not even going to pull up the whole thing. But it does say this, in case you're wondering. You're like, it's like, it's like with giving messages. You've got to pull, pull out the lexicon, and i got to make sure. You're like, are you sure this is what it means, Levi? Because I really don't want to have to, you know. Um, anyways, Acts, that's a preacher joke. All of y'all didn't get it. Um, Acts 20.35, it says, and I've read this before, that you'll be far happier giving than getting. Far happier giving away than receiving. Many of you are like, no way, man. I've tried that and it doesn't work. Uh, But I I believe there's a reason why we've tried that and it doesn't work. Because in many of our cases, like, I like getting gifts a lot more than I like giving gifts. So I'm not happier giving But you know why you're not happier getting? You know why this verse is not living up to what it's saying? Is the truth is you've lost the joy of giving. If this is you and you're like, that is not true. I'm far happier receiving than ever giving. And your verse is reversed. Then I would tell you that you've lost the joy of giving. And I believe maybe it's a few things. Listen, maybe you've let gimmicks discourage you. Maybe you've let the church itself discourage you. You know, the pastor gets up, all right, we're going to, we got a designated 
uh, giving fund, building fund that we're going to give to now. We got a designated water well fund, you know, and like they go through all the different things. If you'd like to give, the bucket's coming around now. And maybe you've become discouraged by the gimmicks and the things that you've lived through in your life and the way that giving is handled. Maybe you've become discouraged because you go to the drive-thru and they're like, would you, would you like to round up for the children's hospital? And maybe, maybe I sound like a horrible person, but I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. Every time I pull up to Panda Express, I'm like, why do they always ask me that? No, I don't want to round up. Thank you very much. You know, like maybe you're like, oh, he is so terrible. But, you know, like I don't I'm, I want to get Panda Express. That's all I want to do. I don't want this to get involved in the children's hospital. Don't make me feel guilty for eating my dinner, you know. Um, but maybe gimmicks has discouraged you. Or maybe it's people on the street corner. People that you see holding up a sign says they need money. They just they they would be happy with just a dollar, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Someone coming up to you, homeless. Would you give me? Would you please give me money? And maybe that's discouraged you, because you're thinking, well, they're spending all this time. I mean, we've all said it. We've all thought it. Come on, you know, you can laugh with me tonight. We're having a fun time. This is summertime. We can have a good time. We've all thought it. They're spending all this time on the street corner. They could be using that time to go and get a job. Right? <laughs> like, amen! Like, that's when everybody comes out. Um, but, but no, like, maybe these are the things that has discouraged you. And we find it funny, but if, if you're struggling finding joy in your giving, I'm giving you some tangible, real truths that may be the things that has discouraged you. Maybe it's somebody you know. They're capable of going out and getting a job, and yet they still just want to be a bum, and you're like, I know that they're capable, and I just don't want to give them my money, my hard-earned money, when they're just going to stand here and do nothing about it. Amen? Like, that, that is, these are some of the things that discourage us, that strip and take away our joy when it comes to giving. And let me just be clear tonight. I am talking about giving money. I am talking about giving money. As some preachers were going to get up and tell you, you can, give, you can give your resources, you can give your time, you can serve. Like, no, I'm talking about money, so I'm just going to put that out there tonight. Okay, what about this? Maybe you've let gimmicks, churches, restaurants, whatever, those things discourage you from giving. What about this? Maybe tithing has discouraged you. Maybe tithing has discouraged you. If you're not familiar with what tithing is, it's just this concept in the Bible of giving your tenth, a tenth, a ten percent of your income away. And it's a practice that has went on for generations. And it's all based on Scripture. But here's something I want to encourage you with tonight. Maybe you never heard this. Maybe you, maybe you never knew this. The tithe is not a requirement. It is not a requirement under Jesus. This, the tithe is something that is a part of the old covenant, the old way, before Jesus, prior to Jesus coming. And we are under the new covenant, which is Jesus. Many will tell you that you have to tithe, so, and they'll bring up Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. You must give a 10% of your income or you will be cursed. And they'll read you the verse and you're like, oh my gosh, take my money, God! And everything's out of obligation because you don't want to get cursed. But I'm here to tell you tonight, that is not a thing. 
I'm here to ease your mind tonight. Some of you are like, amen, brother, I'm never giving again. But just think about it for a moment. Under Jesus, under the new covenant, how can it be that I can be cursed and have Jesus? Those two just don't go together. You can't be cursed and have Jesus. And on top of that, how can I, by tithing, add anything to him if I believe that his work is finished and completed on the cross? So this relationship with tithing has become such an obligation and we've gotten it so twisted up in our minds because of the old covenant that we've made it an obligation under the new covenant and we're not living freely. We're not giving freely. We're not giving out of joy. And we've lost the joy in our giving all because of obligation. So here's what I want to do for you tonight. If you're someone who's been clinging to your money, I want to give you some help tonight. This is a tangible thing that you can do every day of your life. Because here's the, here's the thing I, was, I, I meant to tell you. You can't be cursed for not tithing 10%. You can't be. Under Jesus, not going to happen. I can assure you of that. But can I tell you something? You can be blessed for giving anything. That is realistic. The Bible tells countless times, but I don't want you to get it, I don't want you to get it mixed up. I don't want you to think like I talked about last week, that everything's transactional. That's why we don't talk a lot about giving in this church. Really, honestly, I don't want people to think that because you give that it means you get or that God will do because it's not because sometimes you can give everything and get nothing back. And then sometimes somebody can give a little and it come back tenfold. But the one thing I can promise you, just like Scripture says, you'll be far happier giving. There is a joy in giving. So here's my trick for you tonight. When it comes to giving, here's something, here's a tangible thing you can do to get your joy back in giving. Quit doing it under obligation and start doing it like this. You are being presented with opportunities every single moment of your life to give. Giving is such an, a crucial and an incredible thing. But if you will, and here's the trick that I've picked up on, and I want to share it with you. If you'll just pay attention to the people around you and the conversations that are going on around you. If you will just take a moment, every conversation you're in, and just pay attention. And just listen. People are literally telling you ways that you can give. People are sitting there and they're talking to you. I really don't know how we're going how we're, how we're to meet our bills this month. I really don't know how I'm going to be able to go do this. I really don't know how uh, we're going to be able to do this. I, I would love to go eat, but I really, I, I really can't tonight because I got this thing due and I, I got to do this. And People are telling you ways, if you'll pay enough attention, of ways that you can give, of a need that you can meet. And I promise you there is no greater joy than meeting that need. There is no greater joy than giving to someone and, and doing it not out of obligation, but because you want to do it for this person out of the joy of your heart. And it will bring you so much happiness. I, I, I can promise you that, but here's, here's what we do. 
And I'm not knocking anybody. I do it myself, so don't take it personal. But, I, but I've worked so hard, you know. They have so much more time on their hands. Like, I know they're saying that they can't go do this, but they really could if they wouldn't have took this trip last month. I, well, I, I can't enable them. I'll just be enabling them if I give them. No, 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 no. You have no idea the power of your giving and what it can do for somebody. And when you give, not out of obligation, but of, out of the joy of your heart, because you have freely been given the grace that Jesus paid the price for you freely, nothing that you could earn or deserve, if you do it from that place, it is going to change everything in your life. And here's, what I wanna, here's the last thing I want to say about, uh, about giving. And I want you to listen to what I'm saying here. This is powerful stuff. It's huge. Because the thing that we cling to most in this life, the reason I started with this, this is money. If you have Jesus, I'm going to make a bold statement here. If you have Jesus, did you know that your money is actually holy? Your money is blessed. Your money is redeemed. Your money is supernatural. Your money is not natural anymore. If you have Jesus, if you claim that He is your Father, your money is supernatural. And it does not function according to the economy of this world, but it functions according to the economy of God and of heaven. It's a real thing. It is a real thing. And many of us are clinging and holding so tightly like it is the thing that brings us security. Like it is the thing that makes us whole. Like it is the thing that brings us happiness. I promise you, your money can do so much, not just for others, but for you. But for you. Are you living a life that feels like you're not living open-handed and open-hearted? Have you lost your joy? Have you lost your happiness? Because that's really what this message is about. I think many of us walk and live out of obligation and we do so many things and we cling to so many things. Have you lost your joy? I think point number one to getting your joy back, you got to give. You got to give. Jesus says the, 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 the recipe, the formula for happiness is giving. If you want to be happy, give. Notice not one time that I say give to this church. I just want that to be on the record. All right, moving on. Because really, I mean that with my whole heart. If you could capture what God is trying to do through generosity in your life, it could change everything. That's why I want you to get it. Because I don't want money. This church don't function on money, actually. It really doesn't. I'm grateful when you give. And trust me, I'm not telling you I don't want you to give. That's not what I'm saying either. I want you to capture in your own life, in your own personal life, a life of generosity. I really want that for you. It will make you happier. 100%. It has made me so much happier. Just in the small time that God has shown me this, I look for ways continuously, how can I give? How can I give? How can I give? How can I make this person better in this moment? Giving changes 
everything. Second thing is ways that we cling. I cling to my opinion. I'm clinging to my opinion. And my response to that is, you got to forgive. you got to forgive. The other day, me and Ivy were playing cat in my parents' driveway. I told you summertime, we're going to keep playing cat. You're welcome to, uh, we already got two more wanting to come. You're welcome to come and play cat. Uh, this one night, I was really feeling it. I just knew, like, it felt like I was throwing the ball in the ocean. And no matter what I did, it was going to go in. I was just feeling that kind of confidence. So we play one game, just me and her. I beat her the first game. And then the second game, you know, I got a little cocky. I was like, but I, I meant it in the humble, most humble way possible. I was like, I will use, you shoot regular this time, but the rule is I have to use my left hand on every shot that you take. Oh, man, you should have saw Ivy's face. I meant it in a humble way, and I, it, it, it kind of came out like I was a jerk. But she immediately, no, we're not doing that. That won't be fair. I want to beat you. If I'm going to beat you, I want to beat you fair and square. And I want it to be fair competition. I say that to say we love competition in our house. Um, competition is fun. We love having a goal. We love having a score. We love having a standard. We love sports. Well, I take that back. She hates football. But she loves basketball. I love sports. Um, I love competition. I love keeping score. Can I tell you something? Keeping score works in sports. It does. Really, it's actually boring when it can end in a tie. I don't understand why some sports have that or that why you, everybody gets a trophy. That's another message for another day. There are winners and losers in life, and everybody should know that. Um, but I love sports and competition, and keeping score in sports, it, it works. But keeping score in life? Ask yourself this question. Are you keeping score in life? Am I keeping score in life? 1 Corinthians it tells us that love keeps no record of wrongs. So 1 Corinthians actually tells us that keeping score is a bad idea. You don't want to keep score. Love keeps, it means Jesus' love, God's love, keeps no record of wrongs. True love keeps no record of wrongs. So it's telling us you don't want to keep score because when you keep score, let me tell you, the scriptures say for the wages of sin is death, meaning the penalty for our error and our wrong and our selfishness is death. So the scoreboard is God's perfect and we are not. So if you want to keep score, you shouldn't want to keep score because if you keep score, we see that he is owed and deserves everything, and we are owed and deserve nothing. So we should not want to keep score, but I ask you again, are you keeping score? Are you holding yourself hostage with resentment, with envy, with jealousy, with bitterness? You've got to forgive. If you're clinging on to your perspective, your opinion, the only answer is forgiveness. Otherwise, you're drinking poison. It will never change. You can never change someone else. It's not going to change. 
venting to somebody else about it actually isn't going to change it. It's going to make you more mad. Trust me, I've learned from experience. The only answer is forgiveness. Well, you just don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand what they did to me. And can I just tell you tonight that I'm in no way trying to minimize or make light of what you've been through. Because I guarantee you there's some people in this room that have had to forgive things that are virtually unforgivable. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, that people have wronged you in ways that it's not going to make sense to anybody. And I'm not saying that there aren't those situations where you don't, or where you need to stay away from said person. Like, some, in some cases, there's laws. Like, literally, you, you don't need to be around that person. But can I tell you this? Forgiveness is not about minimizing you. It's about maximizing Jesus. It's not about minimizing you. It's about maximizing Jesus. Because you think that when you forgive the person that so wronged you, you think it makes light of what happened to you. But the truth is, it makes great of what Jesus did for you. And when you forgive, you testify to how powerful His forgiveness flows in you. And people will say, I just don't understand. I don't know how you were able to move on from that. What they did to you, I don't know how you were able to forgive them. If I were you, but your life will echo, this is why and this is how. The last thing I'll say about forgiveness is this. Because everybody needs to know this and remember this. Forgiveness is not a one-time thing. Because you come in here, you hear a message about forgiveness, you're like, all right, got it. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to forgive and move on. And you, you forgave them that one time, and you're really wondering to yourself, like, why do I still feel like I've been stripped of my joy? I've been stripped of my peace. Why do I still feel like this if I, if I forgave them? It's because forgiveness is not a one-time thing. It's actually a daily practice. That's why it's in the Lord's Prayer. When you pray like this, Father, forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. Give us this daily bread. This da it's daily. Forgiveness is a daily practice. You might have to forgive someone for the rest of your life. But can I tell you that you should do it for the sake of your joy and for the sake of your peace. All right, I'm closing now. I'm going to give you the last thing that we cling to in this life. Maybe I'm clingy. We cling to control. Maybe you could see it coming from a mile away. But my answer to clinging to control is very simple. You got to let go. And I know that sounds cliche because when someone, when you're the heat of the moment, someone tells you, just let it go. You're like, let it go. Are you kidding me? I can't let this go. This is everything right now. But you got to let it go. I want to return to our scriptures in Mark chapter 10. So this man, he, rich man, he asked Jesus, what must I do to gain eternal life? And Jesus tells him a few commandments. He said, I've carefully obeyed these since my youth. And then verse 21, I love it. 
Jesus fixed his gaze upon the man with tender love and said to him, Yet there is still one thing in you lacking. Maybe tonight there's still one thing in you lacking. Maybe whatever the one thing is, is what's stripping you of your joy, your true happiness. Jesus says this, he says, go. And I'd add the word right there, let. Let go. Let go. Jesus says, go, sell all that you have and give the money to the poor. Then all your treasure will be in heaven. And after you've done this, come back and walk with me. Completely shocked by, the, by Jesus' answer, he turned and walked away very sad he was extremely rich. I want to clarify something real quick for you. Because I think this is so vital that we catch this. Many read this and, the, and they believe that Jesus is actually telling you to go and sell all your stuff, give it to the poor. And I, I've actually met people that live a life like this and I'm like, man, what do you, like... <laughs> You're taking him a little literal here. He was actually talking to this guy, not you. Um, but Jesus was not saying sell everything you have and you get to go to heaven. Jesus was saying the one thing still lacking in your life is that you haven't let go. You haven't let go. Your treasure is still in this life, and you're asking about the next. I think this is a dilemma that each of us have on a daily basis. I think it's this tug and pull of heaven is where I'm headed, but earth is where I'm at. And we have this tug and pull, and it looks like this. It looks like us clinging to earth while simultaneously reaching for heaven. And it's like, I can't, I can't let go of this. Uh, uh, I, I can't let go of earth. So all I can do is reach for heaven. The only way that you're ever gonna grab hold of eternal life is if you let go of temporal life. That is actually what Jesus is saying here. That's actually what this entire conversation is about. You're asking me about eternity, but you're still living with a mindset that is focused on here and now. And the man walked away unwilling to do what he said because he had a lot of property, a lot of stuff. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. But Jesus looked, catch this, he looked at the faces of his disciples and said, how hard is it for a wealthy man to enter uh, into God's kingdom realm? The disciples were startled when they heard this, but Jesus again said to them, children, it is next to impossible for those who trust in their riches to those who trust 
in this life to do something for them in the next. You know the only, here's what's cool. You know the only thing that your riches in this life can do for you in the next is if you give them away. Is that not crazy? The, that is the coolest thing. All that you store up here will never do anything for you there. But all that you throw away to someone else, it'll do everything for you there. It will. It's amazing to find their way into God's kingdom. It is easier to stuff a rope through the eye of a needle, which means impossible, than for a wealthy person to enter into God's kingdom. And then uh, this left them all the more astonished, and they whispered to one another, catch this, then who could ever be saved? Now, I want to break this down for you, too, because this is another part that we miss. This is so cool. Because we read this, we also read this part and they're like, all right, Jesus is specifically talking about wealthy people. I'm not wealthy at all, so I don't have anything to worry about. <laughs> you know, like we're just like, I'm good, check. It's not going to be my money that keeps me out of heaven because my bank account is squealing. Um, but, but, but watch this. These disciples, they recognize Jesus is not talking about rich people but rather people that believe their security is within their control. They are realizing even, uh, even they do this. They're like, wait, people who trust in their riches, what? It's going to be hard for them to get into heaven? Because listen, these guys, they realize it's talking about them because... They, they weren't rich, just so you know. Many were fishermen, and they lived, you know how we live check to check? They live catch to catch, you know? Um, and all their confidence and all their dependence for a lot of their life was what was in their fishing net. Because that catch could mean whether they could pay rent this month or whether they eat tonight or whether they're able to do this, or whether they're able to do that. So they very much had a lot of security and a lot of confidence in those nets, in their riches. So Jesus is not talking about rich people. He's saying people who have yet to let go of what they can build up and trust in this life. And they're like, all right, well, we're human, he's human, who doesn't do that? So who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and he replied, well, with people it, it is impossible, but not with God. God makes all things possible. And, and just Jesus is saying like, I can cover that too. Like, I can be enough for you. Jesus is making a plea here. He's saying, you have to let go. If your life goes to the rhythm of your bills, or your debt, or your earnings, or your checkings, or your savings, or your investments, or your career, and that determines on a daily basis your mood and your confidence, 
then it will be, and I'm trying to tell you this with all certainty and clarity, it will be hard for you to live a life of true joy, true peace, and true freedom. Catch this. This is our last verses, and I'm done. Then Peter spoke up and said, well, can't you see that we've left everything we had to cling to you? We, we quit clinging to everything else, and we just clung to you. Do you see that? How about that, Jesus? How about them apples? What about us? And Jesus says this. These are his last words of this passage. He says, listen to my words, Jesus said. Anyone who leaves his home behind and chooses me over children, parents, family, and possessions, all for the sake of the gospel, it will come back to him a hundred times as much in this lifetime. Homes, family, mothers, brothers, sisters, children, possessions, along with, catch this, persecutions. Like that sounds inviting and fun. Thanks, Jesus. Can't wait to be a Christian. But this part's awesome. And in the age to come, he will inherit eternal life. You know what Jesus is saying here is this. He's saying the difference between the one who lets go of their life in this life and the one who clings to it, the difference is heaven. Did you catch this? I caught it today. Never noticed it before in these scriptures. It's so cool. It says, anyone who leaves behind and chooses me over children, family, and possessions, all for the sake of the gospel, it will come back to them a hundred times. So you do get more of it. That's wonderful. In this lifetime. It doesn't say in the next lifetime. It says in this lifetime, all of what you want and all of what you're clinging to, you get it whether you let go of your life or whether you cling to it. If you cling to it, that's all you get though. If you let go of it, you get it times a hundred. Oh, and guess what? In the age to come, you'll also inherit eternal life. Jesus is saying the one who lets go of this life and does not any longer cling to it will experience eternal life. And he's saying, guess what? You can hoard it all or you can give it all away. You both end up with the same in this life. That's what this is saying. That's so exciting. Because the richest of the Elon Musk of the world, man, he's going to have fun. He's building these starship, Starlink things that are going to Mars. Isn't that cool? Guess what? Jesus is saying, Levi and Elon Musk are the same. Because in the end, who let go of this life? Because the one who let go of this life, they get eternal life. These temporary, momentary afflictions that we experience here and now, you get them whether you cling to them or whether you let go of them. But the one who lets go gets heaven. And this is where I'll end. You know, there's something so significant that I believe God wants us to realize in the book of Revelation. And I think it often gets overlooked. And I'm not going to go read it because I know some of you are like, oh, it's 8-11. He better not go into Revelation. I already don't understand that book of the Bible. <laughs> but something significant that oftentimes gets overlooked in the book of Revelation is this. It says, the streets of heaven are gold. 
I believe God wants us to know that. You know, we sing about it. There's songs, you know, the streets of gold like that. That's cool. But I think God wants you to know that in the here and now. I think there's a reason it's in the book for here and now. It's as if God is trying to tell us that the thing that we hold as a symbol of wealth and rarity in this life is something in such abundance that we will walk on it in the next life. Oh, the power of that. The power of me telling you that in the next life, the streets are gold, should change everything for you in this life. The streets are gold. The gates are crystal. There is nothing like the place that we're going to. It's the place that I'm so excited every Thursday to preach about. I'm getting to the point where I've just realized this life is so temporary that my next breath is not even guaranteed. I'm going to quit wasting my time giving you practicalities on how to live Monday through Friday. I'm going to just start telling you that the streets are made of gold. I'm going to just start telling you that He will make a way. Even when the mountain is standing in front of you, He'll make another way. Even when you get the sickness, He will make another way. He's already made provision. The outcome is always the same. Will you let go of this life? Will you quit clinging to this life? You know what he was telling his disciples? You guys got it. You quit clinging to the things of this life and you clung to me. That's the invitation he has for each and every one of us. But I can tell you with certainty the only things that matter in this life, the only things that matter is you got to give, you got to forgive, and you got to let go. You got to give, you got to forgive, and you got to let go. Let go of this life. Let it go. Let it flow. Listen, the greatest thing I can tell you is that you have the advantage over the richest people in the world. You're already ahead of the game if you let go. I'm not saying that the richest people in the world don't have Jesus. My point is when you let go, when you finally let go, because you're clinging, you're clinging, you're clinging, you're reaching, you're reaching. Oh man, do you know how easy it would be to just go right there if you'd let go? But I'll never be able to reach right there from here. But if you'll just let go, you'll get eternity and it will become the focus of your life. You'll no longer put your trust in this life. You'll put your trust in the things to come.